This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi folks, I'm Kieran Maguire from the Price of Football podcast. You're listening to Every Step along the way and enjoy every second of it. So, welcome back to the latest episode of Every Step Along the Way. Um, yes, we're not quite in the jovial mood that we have been recently, are we, Mike? Um, no, not quite, mate, to be honest. <laughs> uh, yeah, a bit a bit disappointed, to be honest with you. Dan, is hardly a, hardly a shock, I guess, but just international break, you know, you think you're coming back, full-strength team, in for, you know, at least a good game of nothing else, and um, well, as we both know, it was quite the opposite, unfortunately. Uh, lacking any real chances for what Johnson's attempts in the first half, I think it may have been. Um, yeah, just just really disappointing, Dan. I mean, I'm sure we'll dig into it, but I uh, can't say. I mean, there were, I took a picture actually uh, towards the end of the game, and I've never seen the stadium empty so quickly. I think everyone had had enough. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it, that 2-0, the, the clatter of seats when that second goal went in was something, wasn't it? <laughs> Surprised it wasn't a... Uh, Very loud. Yeah, the, the noise of about 15,000 seats banging, banging up as everyone decided, yeah, that's it. Um, and then obviously the third goal was a bit less because I think most people had already gone by then, unfortunately. But yeah, we uh, we stayed till the bitter end, didn't we, mate? We did. Uh, I I don't mind that though. Like I've I've never actually left the game early. I just it's just something I've never done. Um, I've got no problem with people who do. By the way, that's not a dig at anybody. It's just it, for me, I just don't. Uh, I'd rather you know I'm there. Like I pay for the game. I want to watch the whole game. I know some people have to leave because of traffic and crash. You can't blame people for leaving early after that. But uh, yeah, I mean it. I don't know. It was it was it was one of them games. I mean, if he's trying to kind of break it down, really, I thought. Both halves were very, very similar. I, I mean, it's not like previous games where you can go, oh, we had 45 minutes of playing really, really well. Um, and then, you know, the second half, we, we let it slip or anything like that. I don't think we showed hardly anything for 90 minutes. And, I mean, Alex's comments after the game, <laughs> sometimes I do wonder what game he watches. I, I thought he was, I, I know he's probably there to protect his players a little bit and, and all that. I mean, people criticised him and Pearson for going straight down the tunnel end of the game, no clapping to the fans, apparently. Uh, can't say that I actually paid any attention to the pitch, if I'm honest. Full-time whistle went, I wanted to go, but I don't know, they can't exactly be annoyed at the fans for you know making their feelings quite clear. Uh, it was a dreadful performance, and I think the problem, and I said to you, Dan, and I think we both agreed on this, was the problem with this game is that you pointed out perfectly about, I don't know, 20 minutes in, we were taking four or five passes to their one. And, you know, when we're talking about momentum and trying to get some pace up in the game, it was like we were trying to slow it down constantly. Like nobody wanted to just take one touch and then run on and try and, you know, flick a few a few balls through. It, it was it was lethargic. Um, I aren't sure if that's coming from the manager, if that's the players just not switched on for whatever reason. Um, but it was the complete lack of creativity, which, considering the players on the pitch, you you wouldn't really expect that. So there was a number of things wrong with with that for me. But I, I guess 
you can start with the lineup um, from the very beginning. I was standing with Tom uh, outside the uh, Ricardos just before the game. You know, he, he brings up the team on on there, and you see Dwight Gale again. And I know we've dissed Dwight Gale previously, but you can't blame us. The guy should be nowhere near the squad, never mind the team. And yeah, he had a nice game against Middlesbrough. Whoopty flipping do. He's had two seasons of doing absolutely nothing. And every time he gets on the pitch and gets a chance, he fluffs his chances. He didn't have any chances to actually fluff on this one, but we lost that the minute we put that lineup out there. Like, I don't have a problem with giving Juno a chance. I think Juno could be a good player. Um, I don't think he was playing in the right position. If Vidigal isn't fit enough and he's not well enough, he shouldn't even be on the bench. If he's on the bench, he can play. And he doesn't even come on when you know when you're one nil down or two nil down. Um, there was several things wrong with that one, but those were just the first first highlights for me. And again, Johnson, we'll get into that individually if you want to. But um, I think Johnson's long past a a dropping for me as well. So a number of things wrong with that lineup. I think Alex Neil got it wrong yesterday. Um, and uh, yeah, I think if he was honest, he'd probably admit that himself. Yeah, the one thing with Vidigal, out of all that, I just I, I said to you, didn't Vidigal? If he's on the bench, then surely he should be fit enough to come on at some point. I understand if he's not fit enough to play more than half an hour, then you put him on the bench. Fair enough. But if when he made them subs and he brought um, he brought Wesley on, didn't he? He brought Campbell on. Um, uh, he brought Ryan Mai on earlier. But there was about 10, 12 minutes left when he made them subs. If Vidigal's not fit enough to play 12 minutes when we're 1-0 down, which is the perfect opportunity when you want him to come on, that's why he would have, you know, when he would have, he would have been on the bench more, isn't it, to come on and change the game if we were losing towards the end. So if he's not fit enough to play 12 minutes, what's, what is the point of him being there? Why was he on there? Because I'm sure that he would have been one of the first players the manager would have been looking at to bring on. Yeah, just I don't put bloody Nathan Lowe on the bench. Put Emery on the bench. Whoever put bloody Junior on the bench. It, it's absolutely a waste of a waste of a space. Exactly. And if you know, I think Pete Smith and the Sentinel said he wasn't very well. Well, again, same principle applies. Whether you're not well or whatever, you don't you don't go on the bench. It, it was baffling. I mean, we would look at that bench as much as we criticised the starting lineup. Uh, you know, the actual bench itself was looking really, really strong. Um, uh, just. I'm I'm just disappointed. I think, like again, I'm going to call one player out because he's doing me flipping head in. Is Henry? The the guy is crap going forward, and he's even worse in defence this season. Yeah, you know, we've seen him when he's playing well. We know that he's crap in defence, but you always accepted that for going forward, and he's not been good in, good in attacking sense all season long. Um, how Junior does not knock him off his perch, I'll never know. I don't understand what it is with that. He's had more than enough chances now. If that's, again, you know, if that's um, Josh Loren in the midfield, he got dropped for bad performances. I would say that Josh has had less bad performances than uh, Henry has. I really would stand on that. Um, So if he's playing against QPR instead of Junior or Christ Gooch, um, well, I don't know. Is there something in a contract somewhere? Because... That's just laughable for me. He's been shocking. I don't think he. I don't, he's not at his best. Like, yeah, I'll admit that. <laughs> he's been. And he had a, he ended up a poor game um, on yesterday or you know, Saturday. There's been, like, I think it's frustrating as well because, like, obviously, if you look at him and his ability, technically, if you look at it first touch, stuff like that, I don't think there's anybody better in the squad. Possibly anyone who doesn't really come near to him. How he can you know control the ball, bring it in, and like you say, the crosses he can put in when he's on form, uh, fantastic. Jeremy, he's he's real, he's a real like um, asset to have going forward from fullback. But like I say, he's he's really out of form, and whether whether to be dropped and have Junior come in for a few games and see how that goes and make him work and earn his way back in, um, whether that's the case, and then you know, maybe that'll be, be beneficial. Well, I, I think so. What, what harm could it do? 
the amount of time, the thing with me with it, mate, with, with Henry Wright, the amount of times that he gives the ball away at the back and we get counted on, but he doesn't do it, you know, on the halfway line or in the opposition's, you know, final, uh, final third. It's always just past the edge of our box. And he did it again. Um, the first first half uh, that what within a couple of minutes where the uh, the players got in there and tried to chip Bonham just gone past the post once again he was slipping. Alex Neal's given him a mouthful on the side of the pitch, and he's kind of yeah kind of I think accepted and put his hands up to apologise. Apologising isn't good enough anymore. He's done this several times already this year, and I, I'm sorry but no they were great Blackburn. I'm going to give them some credit here right. Um, their front three their movement caused us no end of problems. Rose didn't have a clue whether to stick or twist. I mean, obviously, he's there to try and chase down whoever, you know, whoever the striker is dropping deep, and he didn't have a flipping clue what to do. And I think that's because of their good play rather than Rose not actually knowing. I think he did know, but they they were great. Um, they didn't need to do very much. I thought we were playing bloody crab football all flipping all match, as I've said. Um, when I look across the rest of the team... I mean, Rose and McNally didn't really have a, a great game, but I didn't think they did anything dramatically wrong. Stevens wasn't up to his normal standard for me either. Um, I mean, Christ, we'll get into Jack Barnum in a minute, but um, I saw some criticism for uh, you know for McNally and Rose, and I really didn't think that was their worst game, if I'm honest. So, goal number one, watched it back. We thought McNally's man that scores the other. Um, it's well. I'm not saying it's majorly his fault, that goal. I know it's his man, and also it's his man, so of course it's his fault. Yes, it is. But at the same time, I think it's very good um, attacking play from Blackburn, how the he drops off, the others squeeze in, McNally then, he can't get round to get to the man. He pulls into a bit of space in the, the corners literally perfectly um, onto you know into where he's, he, the space he's moved into. Fair enough, and it's also a very, very good finish. You know, in the off the post, keeper's not really left with much, um, yeah, much, much chance with that. Rose a couple of times there. I know he sort of put his arms out at one point and looked at Bonham as I said, I don't know what they're doing here because they were moving and they were quick one touch, one two, one two touch football, and and they were sort of dragging them and moving them out of position. And he sort of like there, I remember he looked around to Bonham and put his arms out as I say, I really haven't got a clue what's going on here. <laughs> this is just too much. I can't. Yeah, we we don't know what we're hanging on here. Um. Uh, that was sort of in the first half, but I, I think, like I say, you can't really, the second and third goals aren't really their fault as such. Second goal comes from a daft pass from, starts with a daft patch from Goose, a uh, Goose, Gooch, <laughs> um, where he's just sort of rolled it into a sort of dangerous area, anti there, um, left it short as well. They sort of won the ball back, gone through. And what if Bonham's doing with that put that goal? I have no idea. One, he should catch, you know, there's no reason why a goalkeeper of championship standards should not be catching that shot. Because it's not <laughs> there's a your key word, Dan. Championship standard, which Jack Bonham never was. There's your answer. There, there you go. Well, you should be catching them. And if if nothing else, it's not as if he's been drilled at him. If he really can't catch it, he should be, you know. Diverting it out of danger, uh, danger areas, not pushing it right back where it's come from. You know, for somebody to give somebody a tap in, and the third goal is just the third goal, is just the third goal. And but what's happened there, right? You know, you're saying we played crab football and all that, and we it was it was a um, bit boring, a bit negative. I think we were we were wary. We and then in five ten minutes. Blackburn, um, they, you know, they were coming at us, they were creating chances. I mean, we were getting down the line and creating chances. At one point, I thought it could have four or five each at <laughs> early doors because it was just going end to end. Once we had a couple of efforts, so Johnson had one two around the post that you know, just didn't fall for Gale. He could have had a tap into an open goal or, you know, it, could have missed it. Um, <laughs> uh, but... It's like obviously like the other series all end to end to end, and then we decided um, that when we got the ball, we were going to keep it a bit more. We were going to be a bit more um, sort of slower with the build up and try and sort of stick the sting out of their attacks. But what happened was 
we've then become really wary of, of making those killer passes because they they sat in, they had really they were just changed it with that substitution, they changed two win backs. So they had an extra man in defence and they went so they had six sort of down the middle, a couple of wing backs as well, and then the, the attacking players also dropped in. So they literally had real strong lines to try and break through. So we've got we've got a tough ask now against a team who are happy to sit in with a bucket load of pace, a pace and dangerous pace, who have been trained and obviously really good at playing really quick, one two two one two touch football and getting forward. Something that we couldn't do. We were taking three, four, five touches, and when you do that, the opposition's defence—they're just moving side to side. They're going to easily just—you know—we were waiting for them to make a mistake, waiting for them to leave a hole that we could exploit, and they never did it. They were really solid, and fair play to them for that. You know, they deserve to win because of that. But like I say, the, the point I was sort of making, sorry, before I went off on one, was that. The reason I think we went sideways, sideways, and we were a bit laboured and we weren't creating many chances as such, was that because they were so strong and, and not in defence there and not giving us anything to work with, we were terrified of because we committed so many men forward. We were playing well inside their half that if we thought if we try and play a ball here and it doesn't work out, they will literally go one, two, three passes and they'll be in on goal. And they'll, they'll fly forward and we won't be able to get, you know, recover and cope with it. And it'll be like, you know, three on four or four, you know, four on three going and, you know, attacking our goal and, and you know, we'll be conceding another one. And I think that's the case. We were waiting and waiting and waiting for the, one of their players in defence to switch off and leave a gap. And it never happened. And we were we were terrified of, of them, their attacking play. I do get what you're saying. The only, my only problem with that is if you want the teams to try and make mistakes, you're going to have to move the ball a lot quicker than what we were doing. It was oh, too yeah. slow that's for them to... Ever... Things, yeah, yeah it, they were never going to come out and pressurise us because they were happy just to let us pass it around and have four, five, six touches. Like yeah, it was. It's... I understand what we were maybe thinking, but you've got to just up, up the tempo a little bit. I mean, we should have, you know, we should have tried to get down the sides a bit more. We know we did it the odd time with Juno down the left, and you know, it almost actually led to something. Um, obviously, Tyrese came on in the second half, and we looked more dangerous than we'd looked all match uh, with, with him on that side. You know, he was actually able to beat his man a couple of times. Again, Henry doesn't do that, so we didn't see that on the right hand side, and I think that was the problem. Like, if we're not gaining it through the middle, which we clearly weren't then you need to go down the sides. And I think that was the problem where maybe we were lacking that quality to actually make the most of any kind of wing play, which is where you would hope, you know, if you had a proper, you know, right winger and left winger and all that, and you'd be able to get, you know, um, Wesley in the middle and just fire crosses into the box. I mean, we we just we just didn't do that. It, it was literally like we don't actually know how to get break these teams down. And how many times has that happened? Coventry, Cardiff, them. Any team that digs in, we are absolutely clueless. Well, it's amazing how the narrative can change as well in one in one match. So we went into this game saying we were 440, 440 minutes without conceding. Um, and we, you know, what a great defence we had. Look at, we were only close a couple of matches off after a club record run. Um, you know, how, yeah, how solid are we? And now you come out of that that very next game, you come out of it and we haven't scored in three games. <laughs> Just completely can shift. Yeah, we've not come close either. No. Um, John Home. So we mentioned him there. So it's his, it was his first uh, home start. I thought personally, I thought he, first 20 minutes, I thought he looked lively. He was getting involved. To me, what happened was there was a couple of times where he just doesn't, didn't receive the ball, protected it well. When he was receiving the ball, he was sort of protecting it well enough. They sort of muscled him off. It took it away, and I think he lost a confidence in that. And I'm not. I don't think he hid. I think he tried. You know, he kept making himself open and was looking to get involved and lively. Um, but yeah, I'm very surprised that he lasted lasted the whole match. I thought he was a banker to be subbed off because I thought he lost he lost all of his sort of input really after those first 20 minutes until probably 75 minutes where we made subs and we started getting a bit more momentum behind us. Uh, he came a lot more. In, he came started coming inside more there. I don't think 
he likes it out wide. I don't think he's suited to playing out wide. I think that players could they can back him into um towards the touchline and back him into corners where he's he's got no options, whereas when he's in the middle, he can go left or right. I think that suits him far better. Uh, but yeah, for me, I think that he just needs to learn how to he needs to improve on how to receive the ball in. Um yeah, I agree. With, I think he did. I did he, well, he put himself about quite well. I thought, as you said, he did not go hiding at any point. Um, he, he reminds me, you know, a bit of uh, of Ryan May when he first joined, and he was he was so lightweight. Um, and that's exactly what Juno is. Is very very lightweight. You know, the the amount of times he just got easily shrugged off, and it's it's his stature. You know, it, give him time. It, he'll he'll build him up, and the club will know he needs to be building up. Uh, so his physicality, so that was fine. Um, yeah, I thought he didn't really do an awful lot, but I agree with you. I think down the the wings isn't his strength. For me, he could be the perfect replacement for Johnson um, in that kind of attacking midfield spot. I think the guy's a clever footballer. I think he's going to have a clever brain. I'd like to see Haksabanovic, to be honest, in that Johnson role, but in terms of people that are actually fully fit and you know, able to play, I think he'd be a good person um, in that kind of free role. And have you know again Vidigal down the left hand side is actually you no. Know, speaking of Vidigal, just to backtrack a little bit, actually, um, that's probably the one decision I wasn't actually all that against. Now, would I rather than him than Juno? Yes. Would I rather than him than Gale? Absolutely. But Vidigal has been poor in the last you know three or four games. And every player goes through it. He's coming back from injury. Maybe his confidence is a bit hit. I wasn't actually against him having a bit of a rest because, again, no player, no matter how good you've been or whatever, um, isn't past criticism and being dropped. So I, w- I wouldn't say I was actually disappointed with that, but um, I will obviously revert back to the conversation we had around if you're on the bench, you should be able to play. But, yeah, I mean, what did you think of of, of Johnson, Dan? Because he's coming for a lot of stick yet again, and rightly so for me, actually. I think he's been poor again for a few games. I mean, he seems to be a bit like, um, you know, Pulis had his favourite players and, you know, Mark Hughes had his, and there's always a manager and he's always got his favourite man. And Johnson seemed to be Alex Neal's favourite man as well. Yeah, I think he's got attributes that can be useful in going forward. But I think what we, what he's finding is that when the game is closed, he's not he's not on his top form, so he's not creating chances for us, which I think is why he's there, is that when teams are, you know, sticking men behind the ball and we've got to create chances out of sort of nothing, if you like, he that's supposed to be his job, isn't it? He's supposed to be the flyer to, to unlock defences, and I don't think he's doing that right now. I think... When game when teams are a bit more open, I think he's having more luck and more influence. Sort of like in those opening ten minutes yesterday, you know, he had a shot of his own, and he also, you know, he put Bay and Dinty down the wing. Um, and then so you know, he created a few opportunities early doors, but then when they sort of tightened things up, he he um, yeah, he struggled and that's not really what you want from him. <laughs> you know, I. I Personally, would really keen, you know, I don't know. Haksabanovic obviously wasn't in the squad again yesterday. Um, but I'm looking at you know, him when he's when he's back ready and can play, uh, or even John Howe. You know, if you if the manager wants to play him, I think he's got the the uh, the legs as well to help out in midfield, which is obviously a vital part of that. You know, be able to just drop in and and do your defensive work as well. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I, I would give him a rest. If nothing else, like you say, just just lets him know. Same with uh, Henry. Just lets him know that they're not undroppable and yeah, there are options. The only person in this in this squad or team, I think, who probably is undroppable, is, there's probably a couple of them. Um, look at the squad we've got. Is that's probably Stevens and Pearson, to be honest. Yeah, and you know what? I actually I was looking back at the highlights again. Um, which I want to go back and, li- and look at that corner now. You've said that um, McNally lost his man. When I was watching it first time, it just looked like we had they had four strikers to our three defenders, and we just didn't have enough defenders covering it. But I'll have a look. But yeah, I thought Pearson, to be honest, I mean, what the hell was he doing on that 
final goal, where he's just thrown himself to the ground. That was quite embarrassing. Uh, the the chance that um, I think they had in the it was the one after the the attempted lob. I think he let his man go again, walking. It was a bit. I mean, Pearson's been great for us, so he's he's allowed a bit of a bit of a bad game. But I I don't think it was awful. I just I don't know. He just wasn't his normal self for me. Yeah, I think there was. Um... He sort of took, took up like a sort of a quarterback position, didn't he? I said to you, we were having a bit of a laugh where we were yeah. um, NFL jargon. Um, but yeah, I think he sort of say sort of took that position and he was going to central and he was trying to create things from deep and, and make things happen. But what happened was, like I say, when, when we drew them out, ideally what we wanted to do was give the ball away a couple of times, draw them out because then he had a bit of success then because he had a bit of space to play the ball in behind or um, we, we were able to sort of run into spaces and that that weren't there when they, when they dropped in. So, yeah, I think I think he had a, a decent game. It was just a couple of things that let him down. Like I say, but on the whole, I thought he was one of the better performers, um, which obviously, let's be honest, was a, a low bar. <laughs> um, what did you win... What did you make of Tyrese? I thought he looked quite lively when he came on. Yes, I was very impressed. I thought he was um, definitely worthy. Where definitely worthy of a bit more time on Tuesday. Um, whether he's fit enough to start yet, I don't know because obviously he's not played in quite a few weeks other than that cameo. But yeah, I thought he looked lively. And to be honest, I thought that was. I mean, I'll play you a bit. In fact, let's do it now. There's a, there was something you decided to record, wasn't there, on Saturday? Um, yeah. Right, it's the 80th minute. We've had no shots on target. Dan, what did you just say to me? <laughs> We're going to win this game. <laughs> Fat chance. Now, in my defence, the next four minutes after I said that were the best four minutes we had in the match. <laughs> um, I just thought, as Campbell just come on, um, we had we had Wesley on. Uh, we were we were looking dangerous. We were actually had them pegged back, and I thought at that point, and I still do now. If we'd have scored in those next you know, four or five minutes, if we'd have got the next goal, I still think we'd have gone on and won the game. I think we had all the momentum. They'd been defending for so long that, like I say, one I think would have become two. In those three or four minutes, Dan, I just think you and your drink was actually vodka, and you you've basically necked. Um, about half a litre of vodka to make a comment like that. Um, and even late on, uh, you uh, you very much said uh, that it, was, it, it, was, it wasn't over yet. I mean, it was 3-0, but you weren't quite sure it was over yet. 88 minutes in, Dan doesn't think we're actually going to win. He thinks it's tight, but he doesn't, doesn't think we're going to win. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was, uh, I, I had to record it, though, because I was like, this is just... This is just I, I love I love the positivity, but I was like, "Is this is he being honest, or is this is this him losing the losing the will to live?" I wasn't quite sure which one, but um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the one last thing I'll say before we get into, we'll have some uh, audio. We've got Dan from Rovers chat to send his thoughts on the match, so we'll listen to them in a minute. Um, but just very briefly, sort of one minute or so, whatever. Was 3-0 the right result? Like, was that a fair reflection of the match? You know what? No. I don't think 3... I think 3-0 was too complimentary to them. I think 1-0 would have been more justified. I know they could have scored more than that. Um, I just... It just didn't feel that type of a game because we controlled it. Oh, we controlled possession, rather. Um, so, no. For me, it was a bit flattering. Did we deserve to lose the game? 1,000% but not 3-0 for me. Yeah, I'm the same. I think 1-0 is a fair result. They they got the lead and defended it very well, looked after it very well, and were always a danger going forward. And that the fact they were so dangerous going forward, I think, like, like I said earlier, was the reason I think that we struggled to create chances because we were... We were a bit too scary, a bit too, um, a bit too scared, a bit too wary of of giving the ball away and letting them create like you know wide open chances that they already had been doing early doors. So yeah, I think one 0 was fair enough. We didn't, we never looked really until then. Apart from that four minutes I've just mentioned, <laughs> uh, we never really got in, got into them, did we, and created much. Um, but despite having all the ball. 
So yeah, uh, another another chalk, another game chalked up where the team with a lot less possession ends up with a comfortable win. Uh, right, let's listen to what Dan had to say then. So uh, he was a lot happier Saturday evening, wasn't he? So yeah, this is Dan from Rovers Chat with his thoughts on the game. Hi, this is Dan from Rovers Chat giving my post-match reaction as Rovers won 3-0 at Stoke. I'll be honest, I thought Stoke were quite disappointing on the day. Coming into the game, seeing you were five unbeaten and then had four clean sheets in a row, I thought you'd give us a bit of a test. And I'll be honest, I think you let yourself down more than us playing excellently. The first goal I thought was poor defending to let Wharton have a free header. You know, he's quite good with his head, he's quite good in the air. You kind of tell that anyway by his height. And he just felt he were left free. And then the second goal I thought were poor keeping. And then the third one were just you know, probably as a consequence of you trying to attack and get back in the game. Overall, I thought Rovers would go value for the three points. You know, I said before the game that we're quite good away, we're quite poor at home, and I think that proved it, that we're better on the counter-attack. Uh, and to be honest, I thought we did what we needed to. I thought it were a good, solid, professional away performance, and that's not always been the case with Rovers in the past years. But ultimately, I just thought, you know, the three points went to the right club on this occasion. In terms of Stoke, I think you like that extra bit of quality at times. I thought we did well at times to defend and put our bodies on the line and you know really get behind the ball, but I thought other times you were quite wasteful and I know that was a frustration in the home fans, you could tell, because coming off the back of five games where you've played well, you beat some good sides as well, which were another reason I was a bit, a bit worried about this game. But well, coming off the back of that, you expect your team to at least show up, and I just don't feel you did there. Of course, you'll be fine for the season. You've got a good manager under Alex Neil, and you know he will get your results. But ultimately, it just wasn't Stoke's day, and Rovers made the most of it and took three points. Uh, thank you for very much for listening. Thank you for coming on the channel and for having us on your podcast. And I'm sure we'll speak in reverse fixture. Best of luck for the rest of the season as well. Cheers for that, Dan. And uh, yes, if you're happy that I sorted him out with the. With a pub near to where I work as well, that they'd they'd been in, they'd been in this pub, Mike. It's secluded, tucked away. I I have no idea how they ended up there, <laughs> um, but they did. And he meant he messaged me said, do, "Do you know this at all? Like this area?" I said, "Well, yeah, I do. Actually. I work at the end." He was like, "Well, what this this pub we went to?" And I was just wondering if this is the right one. I was like, yeah, I work literally at the end of that road. <laughs> so man, let, let the landlord know. I know him from. Uh, obviously work in that area and uh, yeah so the other I mean, coach full turned up so yeah you, uh, I sort of made their morning a bit more uh, a bit better for them it's just a shame that the uh, the players made him the evening just as good <laughs> you should have asked for a bit of a, a cut of the takings if you brought that much business to his door but yeah. <laughs> never mind next time next game Dan just uh, me you will go to the pub and we'll forget the match it sounds a bit sounds a bit more interesting <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, man of the match poll for what it's worth. Uh, who was your man of the match? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, okay. I'm going to go for Berger. I didn't think he did much wrong. He tried, he ran around, put himself about. So Berger just edges it for me. Yes, the one thing with Berger as well is even if the match is a bit dull or you know, not, not much is happening and Everything he does is extravagant, isn't he? so at least he entertains you with that as well. <laughs> um, yeah, third place was Ben Pearson, second was Bay Jun Ho, and first, well, actually, Walter Berger. Um, yeah, quite quite comprehensive victory for him in that as well. Um, there are a few funny ones, so anyone who wants to get a look into the uh, Facebook page, have what? a look at them. Yeah. So there's been a, there's what, a few. What by uh, funny you mean, Jack Bonham? Huh? <laughs> uh, no, nobody went that extreme. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, the days of Jack Bonham finishing top of that list has gone, isn't it? <laughs> uh, Hoover, Hoover got one, mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, Keanu, you can't vote for yourself, mate. That's cheating. You got to vote for somebody else. <laughs> Oh, bro. Right. Let's get let's just have a little round up now uh, of the under 18s who played on Saturday morning. They had a they lost 3 0 as well. <laughs> uh, they were away at Sunderland in the Premier League League Cup. So that's the third defeat in three League Cup games. So I'd say that's pretty much us out of that tournament, I reckon. Uh, although the lads do have a chance, you know, rectify that defeat because they return to the Academy of Light for a rematch in the league this Saturday, 11 a.m. kickoff. Good news for the women, though. They won 1 0 uh, at home to Stockport today. So Ellie Leake, skipper. 
she got the winning goal, the only goal of the game in the FA Cup second round. So, yeah, we're through to the third round. Uh, the draw is Monday 1pm and is going to be screened on Instagram. So anybody who wants to watch that, yeah, so let's see who we get in the draw. Uh, so this is one round before all the um, the Super League sides come in, the WSL sides. So they come in at round four, Mark. So we've got one more before we can draw Arsenal again. And, um, and anyone who wants to watch the women this coming Sunday... Uh, they are at home to Nottingham Forest, two o'clock, and the game is going to be played at the Bet365 Stadium. Anyone who does wish to go, you have to let them know beforehand and book your ticket before the day. Right, QPR away on Tuesday. Let's have a little talk about that. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, Michael, would you like some statistics ahead of the game? Go for it, mate. So, we have played QPR 45 times. Not the best record. 21 of them games have ended in defeat with only 13 wins, 11 draws. At QPR itself, even worse, 23 games, 4 wins, 8 draws and 11 defeats. However, the recent records are a lot better. We've only had one defeat in our last seven trips to QPR. Um, but there has been three nil nils in the last five matches played between the sides at Loftus Road as well. So, uh, yeah, maybe get your money on that. <laughs> nil nil. Uh, after only one clean sheet in the first 16 visits to Loftus Road, we've kept five in our last seven matches against them since 2013, including the last three in a row. So, yeah, we haven't conceded there in the last three matches. Um Alex Neal versus QPR. He's had five wins, three draws, four defeats in matches against Queen's Park Rangers. Uh, matches at Loftus Road, he's won three times, drew once and lost twice. Uh, the QPR manager is a guy named Sifuenta. Sifuentes. Um, so he obviously has only been, he's only had three matches in English football, to be fair. He's always just been two charged and after the sack of Gary Sainsworth. Uh, so as you'd expect, he's never faced Stoke and he's also never faced Alex Neal before. Uh, Stoke's away form has seen them pick up eight points, which is 17th in the league. Uh, although, on a more positive point, we've only lost one of our last five away matches. After what was a terrible start to the season away for him, once it took an age to score, didn't it? More than anything. Um, and then, like I say, yeah, last five games we sort of picked it up quite a lot. Only that defeat at Leicester. Uh, QPR's home form just two points all season, as them 24th or rock bottom of the home form table. And in fact, they are 13 home games without a win, stretching all the way back to the 11th of March when they beat Watford. Uh, last five matches, Stoke are 10th in the table with eight points. And in the last five games, they actually scored three and conceded three. So not many goals in them games. Uh, QPR's last five matches, they've picked up two points. Uh, 23rd in the table, scored twice and conceded six. Uh, referee for the day, James Linnington. So like this season, he's had 10 games, give 38 yellows out, no reds. It's three penalties. Three home wins, two draws, five away wins. So we'll have that. We'll have another one of them away wins. Uh, he's ref Stoke eight times, given us ten yellows, but three red cards in eight games. Um, I think he, well, yes, he was the referee, I'm sure, when we played Swansea away in 2018, when we had two men, Bruno Martins and Tom Edwards, both got sent off in that match. 
Uh, so no penalties against us, but one penalty for us. Uh, last season, he refed our 3-0 home win against Huddersfield and our 2-0 home loss to Coventry. He's ref QPR, though, on a massive 22 occasions, giving them 37 yellows and no reds. I was giving them no reds in 22 games, give us three and eight. <laughs> uh, one, <laughs> one penalty against QPR, but three penalties for them. Uh, this season, he did ref their 1-0 loss at home to Norwich in the League Cup in August. Uh, last season, he ref wins over Sheffield United, Watford and Cardiff for QPR, though, as well as a loss to Hull. Uh, one last thing I'll do before we talk about the match. On this day, Tommy Clare became the first person to play 200 games for the club uh, during a 4 0 loss to Forest, Thursday, 28th of November, 1895. Uh, he went on to play 251 games for the club. Mm, okay. So, yeah. Uh, so basically, we're going to lose. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'm not going to be that. I'm going to try and be positive, Dan. I'm going to try and be positive. Um, so stats-wise, then that's some interesting bits there. We've um, what was it? We haven't we haven't won away. Did you say uh, we haven't lost one? We've lost one out of five in the last away games. So trying to think who those one who those teams were now. Uh, the last the last five before that. So that would have been Middlesbrough. Um, yeah, so we beat Middlesbrough, Leicester, beat Bristol City, yeah. drew yeah. to Coventry, lost to Leicester. I think he was drawn to Huddersfield. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, it was 2 2 Huddersfield, wasn't it? Um, yeah, so I think we desperately, desperately have to win this one, Dan. And I mean, it's such a shame, right? Because we went, we had Sunderland, Leeds, and Middlesbrough. We obviously won those games. And you come into the likes of Cardiff, Coventry, and Blackburn, and you think, Right, this is a chance to really pick up some points. So, obviously, you pick up the nine points versus the, the other three. You go into these last three games, and it's like those those other three that we won were pretty much null and void. We've just switched around the what we expected to be the winning order. So, it's really disappointing. But, you know, we've still got the likes of QPR and Plymouth and Sheffield Wednesday. Um, bar Plymouth, who I don't think are as bad as some people think they are, Um We've got to be picking up a win against QPR. They're, as I said, they're, they're what, second bottom. I think only Sheffield Wednesday are below them. Um, they haven't won at home, like you said, on your stats for, what, 12 games? Um, it's it's typical charity SCFC that, we've, that, that, we've, that we know about, right? It's, it's typical charity. But you would hope that even us can't mess this one up. I desperately think we have to switch things up on teams, which I'm not going to come to yet. I'll come back to teams in a bit. But um for me, mate, this is this is a must win because we we just I think confidence wise, imagine if we go there, let's say we don't score again, that's four games without scoring a goal against four teams where we should have done in theory. So yeah, I just I just hope that we find a way through. It doesn't need to be pretty. But we absolutely have to win this one for me. Yeah, I think as well. It's, it's weird because obviously we know how much Alex Neil likes to plan these things out on here and he's tactical on that. And everything that the last 12 months of Gareth Ainsworth seems to have been chucked out the window. This new manager, going from Scandinavia and to, and he's obviously got a good record over there. He hasn't really done much with him yet. I mean, they drew, they drew away at Rotherham. They drew with Bristol home to Bristol City nil nil, and then they've lost one nil at Norwich. Um, so they're the three games they played so far. So they've scored once. The home, the one home game they had against Bristol City, say they drew nil nil. They didn't have a shot in the whole game, but they didn't have a shot. But they had more possession. So it seems quite similar to us, doesn't it? It's like. Um, the three games, like before the two games as well, before the Ainsworth's last, Ainsworth, Ainsworth's last two matches in charge, they had 21 and 29% possession. Then, since then, they've had 58, 51, and then away at Norwich, they had 62% possession on Saturday. Yet, in those three matches, they've, like I say, they've had. Um, They've only had six six shots on target in three games. So they didn't even have any against Bristol City in the one home game. 
So have we had have we even had six shots on target in the last three games though, Dan? They probably had more than us. Yeah, probably not. I think we had one we had one on Saturday. Uh, we had three at Coventry. And then against Cardiff team, we had one. So yeah, that's only five ourselves. Um but the, the point I have to see is that when Gainsworth was there, they were playing um it was quite sort of long ball, wasn't it? They didn't keep the ball at all. Everything was very direct, very sort of agricultural, as it's <laughs> sort of called. Um and then obviously this new manager's come in and obviously he wants them to keep the ball a lot more, doesn't he? He obviously wants them to build up a lot because they're having a lot of the ball without actually creating many chances themselves. What I do think is that could well play into our hands. I think they are the teams that we like to play, aren't they? Ones who want to um, keep the possession and then we can then do what to them, what Blackburn did to us. We just, if when we get this opportunity, though, we need to be more fluid with our passing. We need to do more, uh, be more crisp, move the ball quicker. And I think we do, you know, when the opportunities arise there, we hopefully will, you know, be a bit more daring on the ball, try and force things to happen a little bit more. I bloody hope so, mate. There's got, there's got to be a change. We, we can't have this dis- defensive mindset or worrying about the opposition. If we go there worrying about QPR, then there's no hope for us for the rest of this season. There really isn't. Like I'm not saying the worst team in the world. Obviously, the second the second worst team in the division. You know, the, the, the form shows that. And, you know, I think that's the thing with, with what you were saying there. Like, they might want to play this nice football, but your personnel hasn't changed. You've still got the same players that were rubbish before that. So, I don't think we should go there fearing any of them. And off the top of my head, no one really comes to mind that I can I can think of. I'd have to look at their team to see if I can spot anyone that oh, I think. Got, of, if got, have you got, have you got yeah, the team sheets? They? Yeah, they've got like Chris Willock, haven't they? They've got um, oh, yeah. Elias Chair. Uh, two players who really may as well have not been there when Ainsworth was there because they just do not fit. You know his sort of style, do they, or what he was asking? Um, just when they weren't even involved most of the time, so it's 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 been our luck for them to just flip the switch and find the form again, wasn't it? Um, yeah, so we'll have to see on that one. We'll, we'll wait with bated breath <laughs> for the return. What do you? Do you think? Do you worry for Alex Neil, mate? If if we go to QPR and lose comfortably, um, if we lose comfortably, I mean, I think questions would be asked of any manager, wouldn't they? If we end up lose comfortably, and rightly so, um, I don't think we will go and lose comfortably, though. Like I said, I mean, they've got, like I said, they've got those couple of options. They've got Lyndon Dykes out there down the middle as well, but. I think, you know, in defence, there's there's ways to get at them. Um, I think we've proven that we are, you know, we can mix it with some of the best teams in this division. So, you know, whether regardless of a change of manager and all that, um, QPR, like you just said there, you know, the, the odd individual they may have good, but as a squad, as a unit, they're still not, they're not good enough. So, why can't you know, why, why, why can't we go there and, and look to win and like I say if we do lose then it's going to be a shock to me and I, I will you know it's going to be a disappointing result if we lose heavily then yeah the manager will have questions asked I'm not saying he'll be sacked I'm not saying that he should be sacked but I mean it, I'm sure like you know people say hang on a minute what's gone wrong here and how's this happened well I think so because I think if you if you think of the next the next three games, right? Um, you know, we've got QPR, then we're away, away to Plymouth as well, and then we're at home to Sheffield Wednesday. It just feels that if he loses to QPR, we could lose to Plymouth. I mean, we'll break down Plymouth in a week or so's time, but Plymouth aren't pushovers. I know there's a couple of positions below us, but you know they're, they're not an awful side. Um, so yeah, for, for me, Dan, if I'm honest, if we go into that Sheffield Wednesday game. And Alex Neal will be under serious, serious pressure. Um, and I think if <laughs> I think if we lost to Sheffield at home, he would potentially be gone. 
because that would be six games, six games that you look at and go, that's quite winnable. Um, and it, I mean, let's face it, if we hadn't have won those three games that nobody expected us to, we would be in the bottom three by now. That's how close this division is. And I really think, you know, let's forget Blackburn now. We've lost the game. Yes, we think we should have won it um, before <laughs> before the game, obviously. Um, but we cannot have the next three games and just get three points or even worse, one or two points. That would be extremely bad. And then you're almost saying, well, it's a 16th, 17th place finish again uh, for this season, which would not go down very well. The manager, I watched the, um, the highlights back, this, and we were the main game, weren't we, on the ITV highlights this week. And they interviewed Alex Neal after the game, and they said, like, you know, um, have people got to be patient or, you know, well, what, inconsistency? And he, he made some interesting comments. He said that to get to where you want to be, people first have to realise where you are actually at. Uh, and that was it. So they asked if he was under pressure from the fans. Um, and that was his reply. I mean, I think he was basically saying that if people people stop thinking that we are a Premier League club or whatever, which maybe some aspects of the fan base still do, I don't think many do. And I think I don't think he was getting at that either. But I think he was he was more saying that we're a club in transition. And then he went on to say, I like, you know that what we, the work we've done over the summer and the work we're doing now. Is hopefully setting up the club for have a lot of success in the future. Um, so yeah, we're putting the blocks in place now to be successful going forward. So I think they very much see this as a transitional season where things are going to be up and down. But like you said, if you, if you lose to QPR, Plymouth, and Sheffield Wednesday, I don't think there's many managers in the division who wouldn't be under extreme pressure from those three results. Plymouth away isn't going to be an easy fixture, let's be fair, on Saturday. Um, but to look, like I say, those three games, one after another, especially after being three games before that, not winning as well, there's not a manager in the division. I don't think he wouldn't come under extreme scrutiny to lose those three matches. Um, but let's be honest, we were five unbeaten we hadn't conceded in four games, we've had an off day against a team who moved the ball in a way that we have continually struggled against for a long time Um, regardless of whether we've got new personnel in the team now or not, that has been an Achilles heel for us for for a long time and we, we, just because we've lost that one match, we shouldn't now, as a fan base really be doom and gloom thinking that we're going to lose to QPR and Sheffield Wednesday in the next week. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, I'm just I was just throwing the theory out there. I, I was just looking <laughs> at because when, when when I come back from the international break, I was looking at the games and thinking, okay, the next five or six, we've got a real chance here to go and get an absolute bookload of points uh, on the uh, you know a bookload of points on 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 the on the doors. I thought you know again QPR. Uh, was going to be a guaranteed three. Blackburn at least one. Um, you know, Plymouth at least one. Hopefully three. Sheffield has to be a guaranteed three. They are a shocking team. Um, I can't think of we've got past that. Is it Swansea? I think at uh, home maybe. Yeah, um, Swansea, West, uh, which we always yeah, Swansea, do quite well against. Yeah, exactly. So teams where you think you know you could go and rack up fifteen points potentially, and all of a sudden there. I mean, I. I re- Again, I say all of a sudden you you talking about playoffs. Christ, we would get demolished. I know I keep saying this to you, Dan, but we would get destroyed. Um, at least if you go up, you need a bit of a a really strong spine behind you. We haven't got that spine right now, so um, probably best if we don't go up this season. But uh, it'd be nice. I don't think anyone's expecting promotion either. I think that's a thing, and you mentioned it a, a little bit. Just I don't think you know transitional. Okay, fine. Looking to the future, fine. But you at least need, you know, a, more than just a month of good you know, good results. You know, you need you need spurts throughout the whole season. And it's like, yeah, we had, we had three good results against, you know, Sunderland, Bournemouth, and uh, sorry, Sunderland, Middlesbrough, and Leeds. But if that gets compounded with, you know, losses to Blackburn, and then you got QPR and Sheffield, it, fans won't accept that. We've had such a bad five or six years. 
we need more than just a month's worth of good fixtures. So it, it's going to be interesting what happens. But, I mean, the QPR, we've got to look to beat them. Um, I mean, my my team, Dan, I'm, I'm just going to give you my team because I've made, yep. I've done a few things at yours yet, but um, I've made some, not oh, yeah, relatively significant, significant changes, actually. Um, so Bonham's going to stay in goal for me just because I think Simpkin isn't ready. Uh, I wouldn't. I would hate for him to go to QPR, make a mistake and cost us the game. It would do him no favours. So I think Bonham has to stay in, unfortunately. Um, and then you won't be surprised. Henry's dropped. Uh, Junior comes in at right back. Kieran Clark and Luke McNally are the two centre-backs. Uh, Stevens retains his place at left-back because, well, what other choice have we got? Um, I know we can potentially go with Gooch, but I still think Stevens is more natural. Um, ben Pearson's obvious uh, and then we've got Berger and then Juno uh, so Juno's going to be playing the, the Johnson role and then the front three of Vidigal on the left Ryan May in the middle and uh, Larice on the right um, I was very tempted to chuck Tyrese in there but I don't think Tyrese is, um, is going to be fit enough and also Tyrese doesn't deserve to replace Larice yet so uh, for me what's that, about five or six changes but I don't think they're, they're negative at all. I think Juno's going to have the pace. We know about Vidigal and the Reese, but both are going to have pace. May's going to be able to hold the ball up a little bit more up front. Um, and, you know, Pearson will just be the um, the rock. I think Kieran Clark needs to come in purely because, well, we've signed him for a reason. Um, you know, Rose has been fine in recent times. Um, but, yeah, I don't think it would be. And a bad thing just to have that little bit of experience alongside McNally and get us through this game. However, we need to get through it. Let's just just get us get us over the line. And I think Clark could definitely do a job for us, at least for a good chunk of the game. Uh, I've got the same team as you, pretty much. Other than Haksabanovic is playing my sort of number ten kind of role instead of uh, John Hober. If Haksabanovic isn't ready, isn't able to play, then uh, yeah, then I would. Be happy to put John Ho there. Uh, I was the same as you. I thought maybe Campbell could have started. And I thought no, he's not really fit enough. Um, I don't. I don't think he's going to be fit enough. So I'm, you know, Vidigal, As long as he's okay, uh, we'll play there. Uh, obviously with Luis as well. Now Clark for me as well. You've got to think they've got Lyndon Dykes up front. So they've got Lyndon Dykes up front. Clark, an experienced head, he will go and he'll. But that's the kind of game he will want to come into, won't he? The last thing he needed was to start on Saturday, where he hasn't played for months and months and months, and he's got those, you know, all that quick interchange, quick football, one, two touch, moving. Even been eaten alive, won't he? By Blackburn's forwards on on Saturday, you know, being moved and dragged and all that. The perfect game for him. Big, burly striker like Lyndon Dykes. Bit of a target man. Yeah, his movement's not too bad for a big man, but he's not he's, he's not small and nippy and stuff. He can sort of get him and just have a bit of a battle with him, can't he? And McNally can do the sort of the sweeping role kind of thing. That's That, for me, yeah. if you're going to bring Clark in out the cold, where he's got to get some minutes in his legs in that game like that, that, this is the perfect striker for him to come up against. Yeah, 100%. What do you think the uh, the scoreline's going to be? I, I mean, I'm assuming you're predicting a win. Yeah, I'm going to go for a 2 0 Stoke win. Um, I think uh, Ryan Mai and then whoever ends up playing as the number 10, <laughs> whichever one is, <laughs> Haxamanovic or John Howe, I think they'll uh, yeah, have a bit of success sort of coming down the middle of the pitch. Well, I wish I would have given you my score now because I was going to go 2-0. Okay, let's make it a bit more different then. Um, I'm going to go 1-0. I think it's going to be a horrible, scrappy game. Um, I think we'll have the upper hand and our goal is going to come from Lloris. Right. Well, in that case then, there's only one person more we need to listen to. Uh, that's Graham McGarry. Let's have a listen and see what his uh, prediction is for the match. Hello there, once again, you Potter's predictors. Where do we start? Who would have predicted that scoreline last Saturday at the bet 3-6-5, conceding three goals to Blackburn Rovers who themselves have not been in the best of form 
Obviously, the booze that rung around the ground have left the players in no uncertain terms, knowing what the fans are demanding. And they've got to be bouncing back against a very, very poor-looking Queen's Park Rangers side who themselves in a big relegation battle. It's a Tuesday night down in London and it's a stand-up and be counted for Alex Neal's side. Whichever 11 he selects, they've got to prove to the manager they deserve those shirts. Things are not going well and I'm not quite sure they're going to get better on Tuesday. I'd like to think they would, but I've got a disappointing scoreline to predict for this Tuesday night's game in the Championship. Queen's Park Rangers 1, Stoke City 0. So, Graham, Graham's gone. We, I know we don't like travelling into London very much. I know we said we've got a decent record at QPR. We must, must take the sat nav off when we get close to London, because other than that, we don't really have much of a success down that way, do we? Um, but yeah, McGarry's going for the 1 0 uh, hoops win. You traitor, Graham McGarry. <laughs> it's just not good enough, is it, Mike? Well, he's clearly, uh, you know, feeling a bit sorry for us being at the top of that leaderboard. So he's like, well, we'll let them go for the wins because I know they will, and we'll let them catch up a bit, a bit. That's what that's what he's doing there. He's, he's trying to be kind to us, Dan. <laughs> um, have you got a super six update, or are we leaving that for Friday? Well, it was interesting with super six. Um, you were you had like five points at half time, and I think I had nine. Um, and then we ended up doing uh, quite well, quite well. I think you may have picked up some more points uh, this afternoon, but yeah, absolutely. So um, I did relatively well uh, this week, I think it was. I think I, I'm now on 143 points. I've gone up five places and I got, I think it was, uh, let's have it now, it was 11 points I got in the end. A nice correct score for the West Ham game. So, um, yeah, I kind of cost myself with the uh, Spurs and Everton games, unfortunately. So I had 11, but uh, it's there's still a little bit of a gap at the top. Nothing that can't be done. So Mike Gadge is on 186 points uh, in first place. Nicholas Yates second on 180. And then Sam Hume has got 179 points. Uh, so really, really quite close. Um, having a quick, quick look where uh, you are, Mr. Buxton. Let's have a quick I'm look. One place below you. Sixty. You're in sixty fourth with one four three. Uh, I'm sixty fifth with one four two. So you've got to me. Do you know what it was? That that last minute winning for West Ham just shows, doesn't it? I had one one, so I was picking up five. You were picking up nothing. West Ham scored a last last kick of the game winner to win it two one. You'd had 2-1, so it went from me having five, you having nothing, to me having nothing, you having five. Ten-point swing with that one swing of a boot. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, it took me a bit to, to catch back up, but uh, catching back up, I did. But yeah, like the the points for the season are looking really good. I mean, for the round, I mean, Nathan Brown got 14, Darren Watkins got 14, uh, we then got Robert Wally on 13, and then yeah, there's about... I don't know, 50 of us on, on 11 points. Um, so uh, it was a it was a good round. Uh, still absolutely tons to play for, honestly. There's so much to go. Um, so, yeah, uh, make sure you uh, make sure you get the bin. Don't have an excuse like Dan. Oh, I forgot to put it in this week. Well, I had to let you catch up somehow, didn't I? For about five months now, though, so I'll start playing again. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. Um, who am I? I believe you've got you've got me a quiz. I do, and you know what? This person was actually really difficult to try and find. I was trying. I was trying to find like five different examples I can give you. Now, I don't think a man of your knowledge needs five. If I'm honest with you, I think you'll have this in the bag, right? Um, and I hope you don't need five because, well, I haven't got five, so I've only got four. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I am a forward who played for the club between 2000 and 2003. So start off quite vague. Okay. 2000 to 2003. Andy Cook. It was Andy Cook. <laughs> 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 Mate, that's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. What were your other, what were your other ones, I tell you? Well, we had Chris Luma. We, we, we had Peter Thorne in that time. Um, because there were several different strikers we had in that, in that little period. 
Mate, that's absolutely brilliant. Well, anyway, yeah. So, um, just just for, just so you know, uh, Andy Cook, uh, was, I say, played for the club between 2000 and 2003. He had yep. 102, 102 appearances, uh, scored 23 goals. Uh, he often was a partner alongside Chris Ibaluma and Peter Thorne. Uh, 300,000 he signed for. Um, as well as Stoke, I played for Newtown, Burnley, Bradford, Darlington, Shrewsbury, but I grew up as a Stoke fan. Um, and in the summer of 2003, some make a massive career change when I decided to move to South Korea. Um, and I believe now he's come back home and he's, uh, I think he's an assistant kind of like director of football for a club or something like that as well. I, I haven't looked at his recent stuff, but um, yeah, I've, I've, I'm not surprised that you got it on the first one knowing you how good you are, mate. Well, yeah, yeah, it's sort of it's a player who sticks in my my memory for some reason. Like I say, he was a he was like the the OG John Walters for the twenty first century, wasn't he? Was like yeah, know, chipped in with a few goals, but never never stopped running. And I always remember him being like dining him and being him actually being a Stoke fan as well. So maybe we maybe we should try a game on here. Well, so he's open to speaking about football, so that'd be quite interesting. I'm sure he's got some uh, stories to tell. But uh, yeah, honestly, Dan, really well done. I'm not surprised. I need to make it even harder than that next time. Um, but yeah, you've got you've got like an encyclopedic memory. You've got obviously, you know, actual memory for all this stuff. I don't know how you do it, if I'm honest. Um, I wouldn't have got Andy Cook off that. I would have got it off the uh, teams he played for. I would have I would have had it off that one, um, and. Yeah, the appearances and, and goals have surprised me a little bit, you know. 23 goals and 102. That's not not a bad little return, that is. One, one in four. Yeah, it's not bad at all. So, I mean, it surprised me because it, he, he never, again, he never grabbed me as somebody who was scoring goals for fun. I just think he went through little spells and I think it always doesn't help that you're overshadowed by Peter Thorne and Chris Ibalumo as well uh, a little bit. So, yeah, not not a bad, not a bad three uh, strikers to to work alongside. Um, but yeah, there's your uh, there's your who am I? Just to get that one over and done with within about thirty seconds. That's fine. <laughs> well, yes, thank thank you for that, mate. Um, yeah, we'll add him. We'll add him to the list of people potential guests we could try and get on. Well, well, I think that wraps it up. Um, yeah, a safe journey to everybody uh, heading down to QPR. I'm sort of working in that in the, in the day into the early evening, so that's scuppered any plans I might have had of heading down to uh, yeah, West London. Yeah, so like I say, safe journey there, safe journey back to everyone going down. Give them a cheer from us. And uh, yeah, go on, Stoke. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.